What's going on, everybody? Episode number one. Um, I'm 13, y'all. What's going on, Henry? See, you got the. You can let the song ride out for a second. This is a great song here, man. <laughs> All right, man. So what's, so, what's, so what's really going on, Henry? What's, what's, what's popping, man? Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on in America this week, so we might as well hit you with this full first thought. Um, first, okay, real quick, quick, quick hitters. <laughs> uh, the first thing we have, Von Jones. Van Jones. Dang, bro. Listen, I butchered the man's name, but we know who we're talking about. Van Jones, um, he was on the Ellen Show a few weeks back uh, speaking on injustices. And his show on CNN, uh, and Ellen, basically the interview started, They she was like, as a white person, I feel so ashamed and responsible for what's going on. I feel like we should be doing more. Uh, she mentioned how, like, recently an African-American boy was, like, just simply looking for directions in the neighborhood. Somebody yeah, fired a gun off at him. Somebody was sitting in a car. Somebody assumed the car was stolen. They fired a gun off at him. Um... And his response was, he it, he says it's a malware glitch within our brains. Okay, quotes. <laughs> uh, he said he went to Yale, which is highly drug infested. Outside, and, outside the college. Right, right, right. So. Outside the college, like just student population, yeah. partying, drinking, regular college stuff. To but be different honest. by skin color, how it's treated. That's exactly what he said. He was like, but a couple of blocks over, it was a hood. A ghetto, yeah, is, and yeah. black people doing the same things, and the question becomes punishment versus needing like, like help. treatment, right? Yeah. Like if you look at a black kid and he on the corner selling drugs, doing don't, oh, he needs to go to jail, put him under the jail, you know? Right. But oh, I can go shoot up a church <laughs> mentally, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Let's help him. So one, let me say that's not disrespect to mentally ill people because I suffer from certain stuff myself, but like. There's a difference in how we have a conversation. Exactly. About how the conversation, your first natural instinct is. Exactly. Like, um, what went wrong versus like, what, what were they doing? Right. And that that's the that's exactly what he said. It was like most people uh, look at the gun violence, the police brutality, all this stuff that's happening in America, and the first thing is, what did he do? What did he do? Instead of asking like, could this have been prevented? Like, put he was literally saying like. Imagine your child if this being happened, yeah, I like down that by yeah. black police gear at the week out the week out the week by the end of the year. How are you gonna feel? And nothing's really being done. Right. About it. I think. Um, I mean, I think the most interesting part is that you know, one he talked about kind of like the psychological aspect mm-hmm. and how we think about it. And I think when he was kind of getting into kind of like how we view police in terms of you know institutions and structures, he had an interesting quote. He said. Um, this is what he said on the show. Any human system that doesn't have adequate checks and balances is, <laughs> is going to tend toward <coughs> abuse and corruption. Mm-hmm. And then he basically goes on to say default unwritten rules that always make the police, that right. always assume the police are always right. That's basically so I think that's like an interesting, I mean, you know, it's stuff that I think that it's good for him to kind of keep continuing to speak out on. and But also just kind of make it a psychological thing, but also in terms of trying to make people see, like, the empathy side of it. Like, mm-hmm. imagine if this, like, was your child or if this was your... Like, try to make it relatable to people right, right, right. in the sense of, like, understanding, like, yeah, you may have all these preconceived, like, notions, but imagine how that, that parent feels. Like, exactly. we both share the same thing of 
parenthood or fatherhood and motherhood. Right, right, right. So imagine if that happened, if that helplessness happened to you or to your child. Like mm-hmm. so, I think that's just something. I mean, Van Jones is clearly with his show. He's clearly yeah, he was he's speaking out with his he's platform. He's trying to change the negative of how not negative no, <laughs> narrative yeah. of how news um, is portrayed and delivered to the audience. So I'm curious to see the development of his show on CNN. Yeah. So that's the first thing. The next thing um, is Seattle and Mary Juana, the Mary Jane. Um, so officials announced, I think on Friday, a motion to vacate all convictions and charges for anyone arrested for possession of marijuana. Going back, uh, I think uh, the website The Hill, they said at least as many as much as thirty years. Uh-huh. This decision will impact five hundred forty-two people. Um, it's important to note that. Washington State legalized recreational marijuana use in 2012, right. um, and this goes back to what Henry's been talking about a lot. This follows this move follows the move of um, the Philadelphia District Attorney Larry Krasner, who announced his office would no longer pursue charges for possession. So basically, they said that we'll no longer pursue charges for like you know possession. So then we're not going to basically have our court system be bogged down with this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the mayor of Seattle, uh, oh. Jenny Durkin. She said that, um, basically, this is me paraphrasing, that she said uh, that this move was uh, a way to correct the failed war on drug policies that disproportionately affect communities of color. So I think this was, I think this was a really good thing. I think Washington is a really special case because it's a very blue state, it's very liberal. Um, the state legalized recreational use. It's not like this is a thing that's happening in the state. It's happening right. in one of like the most blue areas in like. Seattle, uh-huh. but I just think it's a good first step, and I think other cities who are probably like this are probably going to say, huh, like, how can we Benefit. try to mirror this? Mm-hmm. Or, if, you know, I think a lot of places are kind of copycat, where it's like, hmm, Seattle's doing this, if we're Los Angeles, hmm, let me, or like, right, or we're exactly. Portland, like, maybe even D.C., since D.C. legalized recreational use. Yeah, or decriminalized. Decriminalized, there's, there's a difference. Yeah, um, I have a, like, it's a good thing, good effort, on the um, surface, yeah. What you do you know think? the 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 actor that's running for like something in New York. Yeah, she was on Sex and the City. Yeah, her. She said that. Just um, she's, she's basically saying that how like the marijuana industry is booming right now. Black and brown communities should have a very like, you know, what I'm saying influential part in this whole like transition on making marijuana a big business. Um, because for years and years and years, we've been incarcerated, mm-hmm. harassed, all of this stuff because of simple marijuana and possession charges. So um, I definitely, like you said, I think it's a first, good first step. Uh, it's good to see that some people are taking note to actually fixing the system. And you mentioned, uh, oh, you mentioned Larry Krasner yeah. here, but he's going to get mentioned again. He will. <laughs> frequent. He's a frequent. Like, look, I, we need to get him on. Right, for real. Why you playing? Shout out to the two one five. Right. So yeah, like you said, I think it's a good step, and I'm like again, I'm curious to see what other states and cities do to at least, in some extent, kind of stop wasting taxpayer monies on marijuana when we have an opioid crisis, and that's killing folks worse than you yeah. Know what I mean, or just like the simple thing, like. There's a book I read. Um, it's called Locking Up Our Own. It basically talks about this, like how some. Even like back when all this was first starting, some people were like, we shouldn't arrest them. We should just have them pay a fine because mm-hmm. we're going to pay more in the long run if we say, let's put them in jail for 
X amount of years, that's money the state has to pay for that. But I mean, it's just, I think it's just a good step to kind of, like you said, it's a good step to kind of, it's a good step to recognize the wrong, but then try to have another action to try to do do something, even though it's a little bit late, but to try to give the issue. Yeah. Right, yeah. So on to the next uh, Henry's favorite person, um, Sleepy. Why do you put all these ignorant bigots on me, your boy. <laughs> um, so Secretary Ben Carson, uh, he's the Secretary of Housing and Urban <coughs> Development. Um, he was in the news recently because he got sued because the Housing and Urban Development they suspended an Obama era rule requiring state and local governments that receive federal funds to submit a plan aimed at desegregating um, their communities. Basically, mm-hmm. so if you build state or local basically you build public housing they want them to basically have plans to not put all of their public housing in one location uh-huh. because as we'll probably talk about that gets into like a whole kind of thing of community building and how community development, community urban development. development um so people who are so the goal of the policy was um use the federal government to promote desegregation of neighborhoods to promote the fair it's an extension of the fair housing act of 1968, Ben Carson believes he called it a failed government experiment and suspended the rule that allows um, local and state governments to receive federal funding without um, HUD's compliance. He said socialist experiment. Yeah, he basically, yeah. And I was just, I guess for me, coming from, again, uh, I'm confused on him, (laughs) Ben Carson, because why are you doing stuff that directly affects your people, or you know, what I'm saying no, I mean, minority communities. I definitely don't agree with the fact that he disbanded rule in January and continued to fund whomever just because of whatever, and it was going against the Fair Housing Act. So it's like, right? Because then they're not, they're not. What's you're your not, purpose yeah. and point here? Like they, the only thing they were saying is it doesn't work. Why doesn't it work? You know what I'm saying? Right. They never pinpointed an exact issue. They never said, like, oh, it's because local governments didn't provide this, exactly. or we weren't doing, we didn't have enough resources to provide X, Y, and Z. They just said it doesn't work. But I think, like you said, I think that's a really good point, because you said, like, what's his purpose? But I think that's a consistent thing. I don't know, we've talked about that with a lot of, like, the Trump appointees, that their background isn't, it's pretty much in opposite of what their job Do is supposed exactly. to be. Like, Ben, like Ben Carson, pretty much said, like, yeah, there shouldn't be, like, there should be a limit on housing programs. The secretary mm-hmm. of, um, or the administrator for the Environmental Protection Agency, has sued them countless of times and basically said, like, there should be more oil fracking and stuff like that. Like, regardless on what like your view is on the issues, you can at least say, like, this person should at least have someone who's going to try to advance Man, that cause, you know advocate for their rights and their concerns and their needs, and that's the problem. This administration. They, do they even relate to the American people? It's not even that. I mean, it's just like you can say, like, yeah, we have a conservative view of how to run a government. You can at least say, like, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna take this out and we're gonna say, yeah, we want to encourage local developers to try to figure out our own plan. Like, we want right. to incentivize. Or if they said, hey, we're gonna we're gonna remove this, but then we're gonna we're going to instruct our people to make contracts with local right. developers so they can try to figure this out, but also so they can pocket Some the money from cities. Right. That can be like an economic work. So instead of just pulling out and just right. being like, we're, we don't care what exactly. you do. So I think it's like, and that's what the suit, uh, the lawsuits, which several different organizations have joined mm-hmm. since. Um, they're basically saying it was unlawful for them to just suspend a rule with no public. No, right. Right. 
Yeah, it's just like shout out to uh, administrative law. <laughs> we tried, yeah, we bro. Tried. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, no, so I just think that's something to look out for. I mean, who knows what's gonna happen? It's still in the court now. Right now. Yeah. yeah so now Henry taking over. Yeah. So you know y'all man's meat deal free. Um. So he's free. He's been speaking out a lot um, towards social events, uh, specifically the criminal justice system and his situation. Uh, he did several recent, like, public... Yeah, he's been making the rounds. Yeah. Uh, I did listen to his old interview with Al Sharpton. It was pretty informative. He shared his opinion on Kanye. He shared his opinion on Trump and just the criminal justice system as a whole. And within that, he was just saying, if Trump actually came to his hood and, like, witnessed some of the stuff that happened, he right. would want to know what his, like, response would be um, and how would he go about addressing said issues within his administration. Um, and I basically just put it up because um, highlighted within this whole thing or his whole case or situation, um, Larry Krasner was very influential. Like influential is a direct reason as to why any of this happened, but um, yeah, and it was crazy. It's like Malcolm Jenkins, who's played for the played for the Eagles, right? Yeah. He was like really out, LA really progressive district attorneys. So like Larry Krasner, I had a tainted view of him because um, someone I worked with used to work in the office and go against him. Like, mm. um, so it's like that view is kind of skewed, right? Um, but he instructed his uh, prosecutors not to, excuse me, um, push for like nonviolent crimes, basically, um, and saying, uh, basically saying like he doesn't want those crimes to be like not in the system, but he doesn't want to expand resources his and have those people get charges or right. just have them either pay a fine and that be it. And, and I think because we mentioned this a while ago, but when he um, made the whole list. Uh, he got it approved in March or ju- uh, ju- I can't get my words together today. Yeah, I don't know. You will, you will <laughs> but basically right here, the man. court's approved it in March saying that he can release the list of uh, prosec- like he can release the list of police officers, prosecutors, and anyone who's kind of tainted and couldn't serve as a like witness on trial. And when that list was released, Meek's officer name was on the list, and that's when he filed. um, He filed a motion saying that, like you know, saying it could have been an unfair trial. Um, That's how the trial got retried, and Meek got released. So um, this is a good. I'm just gonna keep my eye on this man because he's doing. I don't want to say a lot, but within the four months that he's been in the DA's office in Philadelphia. He's done a lot. It'll be interesting to see what he can do from here. Right. Uh, so, yeah. He's yeah. he good in my books. Right? Yeah. I mean, I'll just say the one thing, because I know you're, but you've been really, you've been a lot, you've been kind of in the weeds about this more than me. I would just say that I think it's good that, you know, just that he's using his platform to speak out mm-hmm. in the sense of, you know, he could just say, I'm free. That's good for me. And that's it. And right, I'm it. Right, right. But I think he's, I think he takes that responsibility seriously. I, I can sense that he does see the, I can sense that he feels that he is kind of lucky or he is really fortunate to have gotten out. <laughs> so I think he so I think he really values that, but I also think he's I think it's good that he's using his platform and his music, but mainly just his voice just to 
you know, he's not, I mean, he's still going to make music, right. but he's just actually going, he's doing interviews now where he's just explaining his story. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even though we think of him as Meek Mill, as rapper, he's still basically, he's still a person who has like this deep story of his upbringing, but also kind of where his life went wrong and how the criminal justice system related to that. It's just interesting. So I'm just glad he's using his platform. And I think it's, it's just a good thing to actually, it's good to actually like put a face to it right. or actually just to hear a story and how it can derail someone's life and something like that. So as yeah. always, we're going, Henry's going to keep you posted because he <laughs> always does his uh, meek research. So the last thing, um, you want to give a shout out uh, to the person who put this uh, story that I'm going to... Uh, shout out to our producer that we barely produced. No, I just went... Blah! Blah! Shut! Alright, so I'm going to explain this. So everyone get your get your thinking caps on here. Um, we ready. Alright, so according to McKenzie, <laughs> so um, there's now a dollar test strip for something called fentanyl. So fentanyl is an opioid that is much stronger than heroin, and it is the leading cause of overdose deaths. So there's now a $1 strip that allows um, drug users or people who are addicted to opioids or other drugs to see if it's in the narcotics that they're using. So if you're using heroin, cocaine, any type of opioid, you can basically put this dollar strip in that would allow you to see if there's fentanyl in it. Because it seems like there's a high rate. If there's the more fentanyl there is in a narcotic, the more that person leads to serious addiction or an overdose death. Mm-hmm. So I think that's good. Of course, it's a, it's a dollar test, and every test has their flaws. So it's right. you know, oh, it might not. You know, you can do the same test on. You can do two tests on one bag, and it might come up with different it's results. Right, right, right. But it seems like this is a good way to. I mean, we've talked about kind of this. It's all good. We talked about this a lot. Um, the opioid epidemic and kind of, I think we've kind of focused on, I'd say, kind of the the varying sides of kind of how we treat drug addiction. Right. But I think that doesn't, we don't mean to understate that there is a serious problem. Right. So I think this is us kind of taking a different, actually to say, like, this can possibly be the first solution. And I think um, in the article that we read on BuzzFeed, BuzzFeed, this is the second time we mentioned you. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> So yeah, get at us. Um, <laughs> but I think now they're 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 apparently starting to put these test strips in pharmacies now, mm-hmm. or there's more of an effort to put them at basically places where you can get medication. So it seems like this is a big step in possibly having ways to lessen the deadly effects of the opioid crisis. Yeah. So it's just it's just something. It's, it's food for thought. It's something to think of. We're trying to expand our, our network here. Yeah. So now, big facts. Big facts. All right, so... um, I'll living while black? You know, I just thought it was Xing while black because we're going to talk about like a thousand different things. Right, so it's live like... They, but no, but it's, that, did you see? Have you seen the meme of the lady calling the cops on them for having barbecue? You say the meme? What? The meme? Of, oh, you, you said meme. <laughs> you, you see that meme I was talking about? Like the boy. meme? You know, yeah, they yeah. put it on Black Panther. They put it on. Yes, yeah. We play too much, but yeah, they, 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 they put it on everything. It's, it's hilarious. Um, so I think um, what this is just getting at is just I think recently it just seems like folks are. Like just stuff been crazy. <laughs> like twelve. Like nah, but I think it's like like literally. I have big facts dash living while black in parentheses treatments of blacks in everyday life. Yeah. Because I think like the stuff that you put in the doc, it's you know 
someone at I mean it's a Starbucks thing that we talked about. It's the kid who was about throw it down it, yeah well, getting choked out at the Waffle House. <laughs> Bob Marley's um someone related to Bob Marley. I she's I don't know if she's like a grand she's like a descendant of Bob Marley. Anyway, she's a filmmaker and they were written on an Airbnb. Police got caught on them. This girl studying. Yeah, yeah. yeah, she fell asleep in a lot. She fell asleep in lobby. Police got caught at her waiting in Starbucks. Police get caught shopping at Nordstrom. Police get caught. Your golf is too slow. Police get caught. You're touring at Colorado State. Police get caught. Um, it's ridiculous because, like we spoke about earlier when we were talking about Van Jones, like everything we talk about, it kind of adds builds on top of each other. I feel because it's I've seen a like when I seen a. a Tweet relating to Bob Marley's descendant or whomever. Um, this lady quoted it and she was like, I lived during the Jim Crow era. And what's crazy about this is this is exactly how we had to act. We had to speak to white people. We had to respect them regardless of how they treated us. We had to go out of our way to ensure that they feel safe, safe and they feel comfortable. Yeah. And it's like, what makes you feel that entitlement? Because what? It's a different time. I mean, but, but, but if you think about it, really but, no, time? but I mean, I mean, but you know what I'm trying to say. Like, you can see, I mean, back in the day, if you didn't, you had threat of death. Yeah. I mean, clearly that's the same threat because yeah. if I go to Waffle House and I have a verbal disagreement and with you, somebody, and, and I could getting, potentially get choked up and slammed on the ground. One minute you're listening to Travis Porter and the next <laughs> moment you're getting shot. Up, like, I mean, but I think it's just, I think it's different. I, I think, think the most. Oh, one story I heard, white a white manager was standing outside someone's dressing room, yeah, reading the store's the, uh, policy on theft and all of this. I'm like, like, the problem I see happening is these little people getting a little bold, and they just want to try everything. Look at you filtering yourself. And I personally feel like you must have been picking on the wrong one, because I'm a die for mine. <laughs> Like what? It it just doesn't make sense. It don't. It does not make any logical sense to call the police on anybody because you're uncomfortable. So you know what? Sit next to me on the train. Step on my shoe. Walk past me too fast. Don't say excuse me. I'm called twelve. Okay, and then they're gonna arrest you. <laughs> that's what's crazy. Well, I quit playing with my phone. <laughs> oh, um, that's what's crazy. A woman called twelve. It said she was dying. Twelve told her, everybody died. You all right? <laughs> I don't understand, bro. Hey, and words die every day, bro. <laughs> That's what they say, huh? They die every day, B. All That's right, what they B. say, huh? But I think... Yeah, what are you going to say? No, go ahead. No, I was, I was just going to say, like, I think it's... it's. I think these situations, like, like situate, like these are like the most extreme situations. Like mm-hmm. the little homie getting choked out in front of the Waffle House. Like, we was like at the prom. Like, that's wild. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That's... Crazy, but I think that that also does kind of a disservice to like. I mean, I know like what's the term like microaggressions is like a is like a popular term now, but I think in the sense of like the everyday like like Bria was just telling me like she went to the store and like of course like I think the store was run by people of a different nationality in the sense uh-huh. of like people kept asking her like oh can we help you with anything can we help but like that happens. When you when like if you and I go to a Northern department store or any department store, people are always like, 
Oh, can I help no, you? Can I... Five minutes later, someone else comes. Can I help you? Can, are you finding everything okay? So I think, like, I mean, it's like what she was dealing with, where someone's always asking you, like, can you be assisted almost as if you're trying to keep eyes on us at all times because you think we're going to steal something. We're going to mm-hmm. start wilding out. Like, so mm-hmm. I think it happens in different ways. Or it's like if you go into a building and you're maybe there for, like, a business meeting and someone says, oh, are you sure you're in the right place? Right. Which has happened to me before. It's, like, it's So it's like a stuff. bunch of different exactly. things where it's like, Someone always checking up on you, or someone asking you, you think, like, you in the right place? It is just little... It's like the little things that add up. acts that allow you to know, like, you clearly feel uncomfortable with me being here. And what bothers me is, America is so much of a mixing pot that so many nationalities, races, ethnicities come here and live, and I go to the corner store, and it's a whomever behind here, and now you feel entitled because your skin color is lighter than mine. Let's be very clear. If anything, I have more rights in this country than you. That's one. Two, put some respect. Like, I don't understand how you can be a minority in this country and do not relate to the sentiments that we as African Americans, people of color, Latinos, whomever, we we go through on a daily basis. It's like... I mean, I think it's the thing that everybody watches local news where they show more, where they're more likely to show... A black person being being taken with their mugshot. And that's what I can't watch. They'll always local show moves yeah. every day. But I think that's, that's a thing. Me. It's like it creates this negative narrative in your mind. Yeah, like think about it. If that's your only, it's all like it's. It almost sounds like an excuse, but it's not. It's almost like if that's your only interaction with people of color, where it's like, oh, I see them on the news. And all of a sudden, I work in a department store, and because I see them on the news, and the news always shows them exactly. doing something illegal. Exactly. That's so therefore, I think, so I think it's like, it just gets to a bunch of things. But I think, I mean, of course, like, the treatment of, the, like, these people is, Henry just got <laughs> caught a PETA violation against my, okay, never, anyway, sorry, Henry just swiped at a fly, and it landed on my notes, but, you know, okay, <sighs> we do this. Um, <laughs> no, but I mean, I just think it's like, um, I just think it's, that's because when Bria told me that story today, it was just kind of like, oh, and then you start thinking about just kind of your daily interactions where mm-hmm. you're shopping or you're going out somewhere and, you know, where you go to a restaurant and you try to play, like, uh, we went somewhere for her birthday mm-hmm. and of course, like you say, like, oh, like, you know, we got the reservation, you know, oh, we're going to wait and we stand on the other side of the door. And I'm sitting there in a college shirt, right. and everyone thinks I work there. They're like, oh, um, kind of, uh, Miller, party of three? And like four people in like a span of like five minutes, as yeah, I'm just standing. Yeah, they it's you, like they that, just bro. think you work there because you're happy to be standing on the other side of a desk in a shirt. And it they're is, like, oh, the like, only black person here. You must work here. And that's the problem. Like, that is the problem. I think that's the problem within this police brutality issue. Like, Saturday... I was at a uh, like little party or not. Shout out to Henry, by the way, for walking. <laughs> oh my god! Oh Howard, we sing of the. Okay, back to my point. Yeah. <laughs> I was at this party on Friday or whatever, Friday Saturday, um, and a little altercation occurred, and it was already like broken up. Nothing was happening. You swing on somebody? I, it wasn't between me and anyone. I cannot neither confirm nor deny. Which... I was with other people if y'all want to chat. Like, t- listen, we focusing on the side shit now. But no, for real, like, 
Because I was talking to my profile who happens to be a cop or whatnot, and he kind of gave me a different perspective and allowed me to, like, I guess rationalize on a different level, but I still feel the same way. The point is, the fight had been broken up, and a police officer comes and stands in the middle of a crowd and whips out a baton. Okay. That automatically right there puts me at a defense. That automatically right there, like, what? Why would you do that? Yeah, like you're Why is no fighting happening? Everybody's still going about their business, but you want to be the one little person. I'm the bad guy. And mind you, what color was he? No, nah, he wasn't even that color. He was my color. Right. And that's the problem because I feel like those people who are trapped in that system and they're around this environment that's so driven by a particular skin color that they have to do certain stuff to prove that they're not, oh, I'm not going to let their little dog get away. I'm going to beat his, you know? Yeah. Why you got to do all that, bro? Like, and that's, I think that's a problem. Like, police put on them um, uniforms and think they Jesus and God. Like, no, you regular. You just a regular person working for the government. You actually work for me. If it wasn't for me paying taxes or whatnot, would you have a pension or you, you, I mean, you know not even saying? that. You just are a public servant, right? You are but a I think, public servant. But I think that, and Do your job. Serve me. but I think that gets into the next thing, which we, I think we'll quickly hit on. Um, I actually wrote about Henry put this in, and then when I researched it, I realized that the connection. So I actually wrote something about this last March. Um, so it's the Protect and Serve Act. Um, this will be the last part of my big fact. Um, this basically makes assaulting a police officer a hate crime, and Normally, when you think of hate crime, you think of... It were, and and that, that's why it's the NAACP and so many people are going against it because a hate crime involves race. Gender, age, religion, sexual orientation. It includes the, the law, and we'll get into this. Like Sometimes it includes organizational affiliation, but that's dicey. But, but most people will all agree that... It represents vulnerable communities, or basically communities who would otherwise struggle to get justice mm-hmm. and we still do. for their wrong. We still do. But then that gets into why, basically, and this bill is introduced in Congress. Like, first, this was only like a state issue. Like, uh-huh. states were putting, like, Louisiana passed this last year. But now it's in Congress. But it's weird because it's basically hate crimes are historically for vulnerable communities, but every, the Anti Defamation League, the um, ACLU, the NAACP, Southern Poverty Law Center, they all came out and basically said every state has increased penalties for people who harm physically any type of violence, kill a police officer. You already right. have you already right. have an, an and increased penalty. Right, and aggressive. Like, yeah, like, like if I if I walk yeah. past you too hard. So because basically um, someone who worked for the ACLU basically said that one, it just doesn't make sense. Two, it's redundant. But three, any it's not necessary because any this is already a state. It's, states are already doing their necessary job because any local or state district attorney or attorney general, if anyone kills a police officer or even harms them, they're always going to seek the harshest penalty exactly. possible. So why make it a even, federal crime? Why, and, they, and not even that, they all like police officers are already protected by the state and federally. From certain, you so know yeah, so like why add it to the penal code? Why? <laughs> and then that just creates what Van Jones was talking about earlier. Because then you hear about it and you're like, oh yeah, they need to. Because, but then, like, that's why people in support of it are saying, like, 
and this was actually like I actually I literally read like the congressional like statement and uh-huh. like it pissed me off. But basically, the people in support they'll use high profile incidents like the Dallas shooting that happened last year, the protests, or um, the Louisiana shooting. Which are all like tragic incidents. Like there was obviously that wasn't like, a target on police. No, no, the those who were. But no, but no, Dallas, yeah. no, but but that's what I'm saying is that they're using two incidents to basically sum up the whole. The whole. So you're basically using something that happens to my that's not representative of the whole. Right. But also, I mean, though police shootings are up this year, in 2015 and 2016, police shootings, and in 2013. And even last year, police shootings were lower than the historical average. Mm-hmm. So it's not like there's – we don't have a problem with police officers being killed on duty. It's not like, oh, the past three years we've gone up each time and now we're at a record high. Right. It's actually we're at our low scope in terms of like our arc with police – with violence against police. Yeah, that's the So it's like you're reacting to a problem. Like I think the Washington Post basically said like in their first paragraph of their article basically said like – they're reacting to a problem that doesn't exist. It, exists. it doesn't exist. <laughs> but it perpetuates the stereotype of mindset war on crime, police versus black. And that's exactly what it, it creates this blue lives matter versus black lives matter narrative. And I, I don't understand, like, our policymakers, our legislators, these elected officials who represent us, do they actually have our best interest at heart? Because, like, what are you protecting the police for? We have seen over and over and over again when you add the police in any situation, in my experience, it makes it worse. The police do not protect and preserve, and that's literally their job. And and it's sad because, and literally some Democrats who were on the committee that dealt with this basically said that, you know, this is you all wasting an opportunity because, you're one, you're, you're entering this in the public conversation. Right. But two, this was absent of something that could have, like, basically, if you put this out, any type of thing that might be trying to done to say, hey, we're gonna try to, we're gonna try to actually get this relationship between the community and the police. Like that's out the window. Is not uh, like, be one, it's already fractured. But two, it's like you're just you keep you're putting pressure on the a issue. situation. You're worsening. That's like pulling the scab, uh, bandaid off the scab and stabbing at it. Right. Peeling off the, you know what I'm saying? So like, listen, we need rehabilitation. We do not need. Legislation or a system that continue to want oppress our people, but create a larger gap in a much greater hatred yeah. or a bigger ideology that we don't like the police because that, that feeds into the Van Jones thing, right? It's, and, it's and a not mentality. Even that, if you go back in history, when Tupac speaks about it, the whole yeah. West Coast when LA riots broke out, that's all West Coast rappers were speaking Talking about. about you know what I'm saying? It's like. This, this narrative in our heads didn't come from anything. It came from something. And if you look at the history of this country, you look at the history of police, the relationship between police and black and brown communities is not a great relationship. And nothing substantial has been done to men or fix the relationship. It's only things being put into place to protect this power that continues to ostracize, oppress, Demonize. Like, you know what I'm saying? They just yeah. keep coming at what reasons. But they're continuing to be uh, protected. But when my son or my niece, my nephew, whomever walks, walks into the movie theater and the little girl over there is afraid because her hair is puffy and hers is straight. And now y'all want to arrest her. Like, what is just little simple stuff like yeah. that? Or, like, 
you throwing my child in that because they don't want to, you know what I'm saying? Like, is, it, is that a hate crime? Right. Like, it's, it's just, it's a balance. And it, 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 when, it, when do, in these situations where, like, it only passing this will only make the burden of proof harder on the person that's actually being victimized in that situation. I'm, yeah, I'm actually... You know what I'm saying? It's like, if automatically the police roll up in my hood and they see us on the corner, we ain't got no drugs now, we just chilling on the corner because most urban communities, like, folks are outside chilling, congregating with the neighborhood. That's what happens in those types of communities. And you roll up and... Like you automatically put your hands up free and I I trip and I mistakenly touch you. He pushed me and I felt you know or something like you can manipulate the language of your report so much that you're automatically protected. Like I'm actually interested. I don't. I have no uh, clearly like I think this is just in the beginning stages. I don't know what will happen, but I I will be watching. I definitely will be watching. Um. My at button will not be broken because uh, a couple of Democrats were co-sponsors, so I will. My at button will be in fully You're functional. Um, but this is the last thing I'll say about this. Um, in this original, I'll be mean, like this movement started in 2016. In 2016, um, there were 16 of these types of bills introduced. This is just for my piece. Um, in 30, in the first three months of 2017, 32 of these bills were introduced in state uh, capitals. So clearly, this is. Something to watch. Uh, so now we'll get into the quick heads up. Keep you posted on on what's going up. Hey, heads up. Um, so I actually didn't know this, but like at first I kind of laughed, but it's really sad. Um, so Spotify, <laughs> I like feel bad. Actually, Spotify and other people have joined since. Okay, so Spotify and other music groups. Um, basically, they announced that they would, and Spotify. This is actually interesting. They basically said that they would stop. They announced that they would stop promoting and recommending artists whose content or conduct would be basically deemed offensive. Uh huh. So that to me was interesting. So I can see, like, basically the two people who they started with were R. Kelly. I mean, that's natural. Uh, and the Florida-based rapper, I think it's pronounced XXX Tentacion. I think I got that right. I don't, I don't listen to his music. I don't either, but we'll let Twitter decide that. Right. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I, just I just think it's interesting. It's just, yeah, like... Because it creates two types of narratives in my head. One, R. Kelly, look, man, y'all <laughs> been knew what's up with this man, like, that's one. Two, I'm gonna just shut up. Because I just, yeah. I, it's, it's, like, it's, like, it's weird to talk about because I think because it's like... Because my thing is, why is this coming back up? Like... It's not even that. I just think for... I'm more focused on like the language that Spotify used and right, how they apply that it. Because they, they said made. like whose content or conduct, like those are two different things. things. Like conduct, I can see like yeah. Like, you know what's like, crazy is that people were petitioning for Chris Brown's music, and I'm like, are you serious? But like I can see if you said like okay, this person's conduct should not. Like, I'm thinking about it, and, like, I see what Spotify is trying to do. They're trying to do, like, the politically correct thing and basically say, like, R. Kelly is accused, and not even accused. R. Kelly just objected stuff. So we're going to remove his stuff, or his stuff is still on there. We're just not going to, like, feature him. You have to search him out to get his content. But in the sense of, like, stopping someone whose content, I don't, 
That seems like that'd just be like a First Amendment. Bro, my thing, thing yeah, that could be. Just like off the top of my head, right. I was like, how are you going to, but then who deems like, what content? Music, speech, any type of creative entity is going to offend someone. Or somebody's going to have some type of disagreement. Yeah. So, if I put out a song about liking notepads, somebody, I don't like notepads. I like billboards or poster boards or whatever. Like, no. I mean, my... It's just a matter of... I just, uh, I just wonder how Spotify is going to... Because Spotify is putting themselves in a very powerful place where they say, right, hey... Right, that's what, that's what kind of made me pay attention to this. Like, I'm trying like, to, like, think. Like, what if they were just like... I mean, I was listening to Burlitz. What if they were like, hey, Schoolboy Q, your content, you basically talk about selling Oxycontin and killing people and... That's, that's what I'm <laughs> saying. It's like two narratives. So I'm just saying, like, how Rappers do... who talk about their actual lives in the streets or it could be lying, but whatever... How do they, how Spotify put themselves in a position where they might be able to judge that? So it's a difference between if they're actually saying, like, hey, this person, you're saying this crazy stuff. That's just content related, not actual conduct. How do they distinguish the truth? So that's that's something to look out for. Um, this is a heads up, but it's also just something that you should uh, look at. This is funny um, as heck. It's, it's funny, but like, also, like, on the same day, it announced that she had kidney surgery. I'm jacked. <laughs> Stress. I'm stressed. Sis, get me out of here. Um, so the Floatus First Lady, uh, Melania Trump. Floatus. You mean the floor that went up? <laughs> no, I'm just playing. So Melania Trump, um, she announced her Be Best campaign. Is it supposed uh, to be Be Your Best? No, it's really Be Best. No, I know what the... The, the, the marketing strategy is. wasn't the best, but um, that clearly was not run through, you know, people. Um, so it's her Be Best campaign. It's aimed at social, emotional, and physical health of children and also those um, affected by opioid abuse. I don't really got much to say about it. You know, it's just convenient. It's like, hey, I care about kids, but my husband don't. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. Henry, you got something to add about it. That's all I... It's just fine. I'm glad she... I laughed. Because she came out in the hot leather in in 95-degree heat. So, power to her. I I was on TV when I was at work. Um, This is the last thing. I mean, we'll figure out what we're going to talk about after this. Um, as As a reader... Um, Zora Neale Hurston, I didn't know this, and I did a deep dive on it. Um, she's publishing her Barracoon, uh, the story of the last black cargo, which presents a story of, uh, um, shout out to all my Africans, I know I'm probably pronouncing this terribly, um, Oluwale Kusula, uh, the last known slave ship, um, to arrive at the U.S. This happened 50 years after the trade, after the transatlantic slave trade was abolished. So, Hurston interviewed him in the 1930s and then finished her or in like in the late 1920s and finished her work in 1930 but when she finished it no one actually wanted to publish it so then the manuscript was then placed at the elaine lock collection shout out to howard university um at howard so oh that too um (laughs) so um i'm i didn't know about this book apparently it came out at the end of april but i'm really excited to get into it it seems like from all the reviews that i'm reading that um i forgot what his slave what what his actual slave name was but it seemed like he had a really interesting take on sharecropping on africans involvement in slavery and it seemed like it's i mean zorna hurst was a brilliant writer so it seems like for her to sit down with him and just talk about his experience and how he feels as, as someone who I was actually the there. In itself, being that it was the last curve, you know, yeah, like I think it's historic significance. Um, it's good. I'm, I'm curious to you know see or read 
Next up on Food for Thought, next episode, I'll try to see if I can. You still it? Um, <laughs> no, I think this is important. This is the last heads up, and we can let y'all go about your day or not. But uh, body cameras, we know that initiative was cool or not. But the maker of them commented that a facial uh, recognition feature should be added, and I think that is another step with maybe possibly somewhere down the line mending these issues us as minority communities experience. How would that work? Um, because, you know, well, some of them, like police departments, don't require them to wear the body camera, mm-hmm. but some of them do. They're like DC. Yeah, DC like does. DC requires you to have a body camera, so when you have the facial recognition, it's recognizing people's faces, so like the officers that are involved, the persons that are involved, and that's, I think, the problem. So because it, can, it can help with identification. Right. It, you can identify because some of those videos in Who's really who's involved? You can't really see the tech who's working. So basically, just developing the the quality of the video. Um, Okay. Uh, Last thing, I know we said we're going to talk about real quick. Um, This is America. Any 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 big any big thoughts? That was an opener. Any big anything anything big you take away from it? This is America. This is yeah. Uh, 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 no, that you shouldn't. No, I'll yeah. my young thug person. Um, anything you took away from it? Um, the song by itself, it is popping cool little hip song. Liar! So, <laughs> song with the video has a deeper meaning understanding. Now, Twitter, Instagram, all y'all social media. <laughs> y'all took people, it and ran. Y- y'all <laughs> took it and ran, sprinted it and did everything. Ran to the motherland. Y'all did a lot. I mean, I do see some of the stuff. Which is good and bad. It's good and bad. I don't see some of the stuff y'all talking about, but altogether, I do know that he made the video and put certain stuff a certain way in in an artsy way, communicated that this is what's going on in America, and we as a people aren't really paying attention because we're caught up with the overwhelming. You know what I'm saying? Stuff that happens on a daily basis. With what's immediately in front right, of you. Right. What's, what's immediately right in front of you. Because uh, we always stuck in our phone. So, I mean, it's a good song. I, I, I like this song. I think, I mean, when I listened to the song on the radio, I was kind of like, eh. But, no, I mean, but, like, the video, I think, but, I mean, we talked about this. Like, like two days after it came out. The song with the video makes it, like, something totally, com- totally different. Right. I think, um... I, even though I, he's not, he people have asked him like in every interview he's done, he's not saying anything. Yeah, about, he said which that. is like good and bad because it I forces you to develop your and own. That's opinion. why I think it's good. But I think like just because you know people take and run with it, I want him to like squash. I should be like, that's you, not. You, true. See, you realize that the problem with today's society is we do not think critically for ourselves. We want someone to say. Or it's a very knee jerk. You know what I'm saying? We think of like the first thing that comes. And that's what did it. Yeah. So I appreciate it. Like, make me think. Cause some controversy. This is what Kanye should have been doing instead of making blatantly ignorant, dumb statements. Oh, you a Kanye fan? No, I'm saying like that was that was was my Kanye. Um, this is one thing I thought of as I was um, taking my 35 second drive over here. What will this mean at the end of the month? I mean, he's not making music or... No, but I'm saying, like, what... what The video or the song? Yeah, just the video. Because the video is clearly, like, something. So this is... Like, an artistic way. But, like, will it actually have a... He just probably wanted to get it off his chest. And that's how... And then it's just over? 
Which I, Cole, I, 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 I think, think J. Cole does the same thing with his music. He's not entertained by the industry anymore. He just puts out music because he genuinely cares. Like, he likes music. He puts it out. You listen to it. What you take from it is yours. Go run with it. Childish Gambito, he's a creator. He, he, you know what I'm saying? He puts something out. What you take from it is yours. Yeah, I just think it's sad just because I think the video is so well done. There's a lot of intricate stuff. Both I like, want more. But, no, no, no. I'm saying like both subtle and overt. But I just think like <laughs> it's like it's like a cultural thing. Like where we're automatic. Like this is popping right now. It mm-hmm. came out a week ago, but next week that new dance is gonna be like hey. shoot, shoot, remix, shoot. Squat. <laughs> um, <laughs> So no, I just think that's something to look out for. Um, do you want to hear my my hot take? And this is probably something we can have on the next uh, food what, for thought. What? J Cole is significantly overrated. Get out of my house! All Get right, so that's, that's episode that's episode thirteen. Shoot! 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 Shoot!